Good morning, good day, or good evening. My name is Eli Rowe, and this is the Middle-Aged Witch Podcast. Hello, and thank you for being here with me today. I hope everyone enjoyed the full moon this past week. It was a heavy one. Kind of chaotic, in my opinion. But I like that from time to time. We need the crazy to appreciate the calm. And it's easier, you know, to feel that way once we're on the other side of the crazy. I will acknowledge that. But it's still important for us to experience those cycles, even on a small scale. Just the disorder, the confusion that we can feel at the onset of a full moon. This is an important part of the human experience. We have to have that balance. Anyway, before we begin today, I wanted to talk a little bit about a post that was made in the Middle-Aged Witch Coven, which is a group on Facebook. And this happened this past week. Um, Now, I don't have a lot of oversight in that group. I'm a very hands-off moderator. Mostly, I don't need to be too involved. It's a good group made up of mostly awesome witches, so I don't have to intervene much. There are a lot of scammers and spammers, and so I have to nuke those, but people are typically very respectful and except for banning scammers and spammers, I just don't intervene much at all. And this is why I was surprised. Um, There was a post that got people really upset. The post, to the best of my memory, was from a witch who was asking which herbs would be good to use in an obsession spell, where the purpose of the spell was to make someone else become obsessed presumably obsessed with the OP, the original poster. Um, I I did see that post soon after it was made. I really didn't think much of it at the time, and I didn't respond. just went on about my business. Well, this post exploded. It blew up. Um, Some witches replied with their suggestions about what to use for the spell. Other witches reprimanded the OP for even thinking about attempting a spell that would interfere with someone else's free will in such a way. Um, And other witches were quick to criticize those witches for butting into OP's business instead of just ignoring it. Y'all, it got heated. People were freaking out, arguing. It got rude and out of control, and eventually the post was deleted. But not by me. I don't know if the original poster deleted it or if it was reported by so many group members that Facebook auto-deleted it, if that's even a thing. I have no idea. So that original post is gone now. But other posts popped up from witches who wanted to continue the original discussion. Um, And also many who were trying to reiterate why that's such a horrible idea in the first place. I have said many times on this podcast, but I'll say it again because it's been a minute. We all practice our craft differently. All of our practices are valid. I would never, ever, ever perform an obsession spell, not in a million years. I don't recommend obsession spells or love spells unless the purpose is to strengthen an existing relationship or lust spells. Again, unless the relationship is already established. But that's me. I am only responsible for the work that I do. You are responsible for the work that you do. Other witches are responsible for the work that they do. 
if you ask me for advice related to spell work that I feel is unethical, I will either choose to give you my advice or not, but regardless, you are still the only person responsible for the work that you do. I also won't ever lecture another witch about doing work that I find unethical, because that's not who I personally am. Unless you're a friend of mine, I will always give my friends my unvarnished opinion, for better or worse, but never strangers. I will offer advice, or I'll ignore their question altogether. Other witches don't work that way, though, and that's also valid. If you pose a question on a public forum, you'd better be prepared for folks to come out of the woodwork to tell you what an idiot you are, whether that's true or not. Folks are very bold online. If you ask a question in a public space, be ready to sift through a lot of unsolicited advice. Now, my point in bringing all of this up is simply this. I don't care what spell work you do. It ain't my business. I'm not going to be drawn into ethical arguments about the relative morality of spell work that interferes with other people's free will. I think it's a bad idea, and I would never do it. And my opinion is well established and it's on record, but I'm not going to sermonize about someone else's spellcraft. I'm just not. But if I was going to perform an obsession spell, I would use forget-me-nots. Now, that's all I want to say about that. And let's talk about incense. That is the topic of today. Now, we have talked briefly about incense in previous episodes, especially in the Air Magic episode and in the Poppet episode. But I thought we would get a little more in-depth today. Now, incense is essentially just grains of resin that are sometimes mixed with spices that burn with a fragrant odor. And these are widely used in religious rites as an oblation or as an act, an act of offering. Catholics love incense. Um, just about every culture uses incense in some kind of way. And incense has been used since before we even have written record. Ancient Greece, China, Egypt, Babylon, all used incense. And the, imp the import of incense was major business for a lot of these cultures because that's how important it was to these people. The act of burning incense has been an important rite since ancient times, believed to have originated in Egypt in the time of the Old Kingdom. Um, there it was used by priests for fumigating tombs originally. Incense has a long history of being used in conjunction with ceremonies, rituals, and spiritual and religious occasions, um, but incense was used in Egypt at the daily liturgy um, before the cult image of the Egyptian sun god uh, Amun-Re, and in the Egyptian mortuary rites as well, when the souls of the dead were thought to ascend to heaven in the flame with the smoke. Incense was also employed to counteract disagreeable odors. Understandable. Um, and also to drive away demons. And it was said to both manifest the presence of the gods, um, because fragrance was a divine attribute, and also to gratify the gods. And that goes back to it being an oblation, an act of offering. Um, the spiritual purposes of burning incense can vary based on the religious ceremony or the intention 
during its use. Um, back to Catholic churches, they burn frankincense to connect the community to the legacy of their founding patron. You can Google that. Um, Palo Santo wood burned during the height of the Incas to clear bad energy. The Babylonians used it extensively while offering prayer and divining oracles. Um, God, it was imported into Israel before the Babylonian exile. Um, and there they assigned it miraculous powers and eventually altars were set up. Um, and then, and they were set apart expressly for incense offerings. That's how important it was. Um, incense has many forms, um, but the simplest definition is this. It's any plant matter, really, which is burned for its aromatic and spiritual properties. Um, popular forms of incense include um, the sticks, cones, um, the spirals or coils. Um, you can burn it loose as a loose powder and even just burning raw plant materials. That's where Palo Santo wood comes in. It's just sticks of wood that are burned as incense. But it has benefits, and the benefits are myriad. Um, depending on the kind of incense that we're burning, we can take advantage of the different correspondences that the fragrance, fragrances of the resins and essential oils are known to have. And that's where we come in. So certain kinds of incense can and do increase calm and focus. Why? Because essential oils of certain plants like rosemary, peppermint, and citrus have been shown to improve mental cognition and clarity and focus. Um, it can reduce uh, stress and anxiety. Um, you know, some herbs are specifically known for their ability to ease anxiety and to curb stress. Um, breathing in lavender oil is proven to be effective in reducing anxiety. And in several studies, this isn't just me talking, and we witches have a very deep and beneficial connection to lavender in matters of grounding and um, increasing harmony, attracting peace, strengthening relationships, and so on. Now, on the subject of lavender, we also have to acknowledge it as a sleep aid. Lavender is well known for its sedative effects and is considered... Um, very strong in promoting sleep and fighting insomnia. So burning incense with lavender oil as we're getting ready for bed may help us to drift off to sleep faster and more easily. Um, yogis know how we can use incense to complement a yoga or meditation practice. You know, incense has a reputation for being associated with yoga and meditation. It's very hippie. Um, and given that some of the essential oils most commonly used to scent incense sticks are fragrances that help ease stress and increase focus, as we spoke of. So burning incense is a perfect addition to a yoga, a yoga or meditation routine. Um, and particularly dragon's blood incense or amber, jasmine, lilac, and patchouli. Now something we don't consider too often with incense is how it can support creativity. Burning incense can help boost creativity and flow state by clearing and stimulating the mind, especially fragrances like rose, cherry, lotus, and sandalwood. Now, I think one of the most common ways that witches use incense is 
probably to purify our space, you know, especially before ritual or spell work. Um, and uh, Buddhist monks have been using incense to purify their atmosphere for thousands of years. And this is the reason people sage their homes, you know, when we feel like we're under significant energetic attack. But interestingly, incense can purify our spaces in a much more literal sense, too. Um, there was a study that showed that burning incense for an hour reduced the bacteria in the air by 94%. And I will link that study in the episode description. Now, we usually just buy incense, and that's fine. It's actually great because we can do more harm than good if we try to make our own incense and accidentally use synthetic oils, which can cause a lot of um, respiratory distress. So I will give a few recipes here, but please bear in mind that if you're unsure of your materials, it's better to just buy your incense from a trusted source. Incense is inexpensive to buy anyway, and sometimes that's just the best way to go. But for those of us who like to DIY, we're going to start with money-drawing incense. And for that, we will need one ounce of bayberry, one ounce of powdered sandalwood, one ounce of powdered frankincense, a quarter ounce of myrrh, a quarter teaspoon of saltpeter. Um, and the purpose of saltpeter in incense is uh, to help it like smolder properly. And then an eighth ounce of cinnamon essential oil and a quarter ounce of tincture of benzoin. And to make incense, and this goes for all incense, you're going to first grind all of your dry ingredients together, except for the saltpeter. You're going to dry all, uh, grind all these ingredients together with a mortar and pestle and until it's pretty uniform mixture, very powderized, very well incorporated. And then mix your oils together and dissolve the saltpeter in those oils. And then you get a small glass dish or a ceramic dish, dump in your dry powdered ingredients, pour in those oils and the saltpeter, combine everything until it's well incorporated, and then spread your incense into a thin layer on like a pie tin or just a piece of aluminum foil and let it dry completely. This is gonna take a few hours. Once it's completely dry, you crumble it up and then you just burn a little at a time on, you know, you get those little charcoal incense discs or you can form it into cones. It's also a very simple way to do it too. Uh, so for an uncrossing incense or like a hex breaking incense, you're going to follow that same process, except you're going to need uh, one ounce of powdered sandalwood, a half ounce of powdered bay leaves. And I will recommend using a clean coffee grinder for that because it is going to take an eternity trying to powderize bay leaves with a mortar and pestle. Um, you also need a half ounce of powdered dill seed, a teaspoon of garlic powder, yes, garlic powder, and an eighth ounce of patchouli essential oil and a quarter ounce of tincture of benjolin. This incense is really great if you feel like you're under any kind of negative energetic influence or oppression. This is meant to destroy another person's unwanted influence. And then finally, I wanted to give the prophetic dream incense. This is so good for meditation, um, astral travel, and divination as well. And it doesn't only have to be used at bedtime, but this is what the recipe is called. So for that, we need a half ounce of powdered sandalwood, a quarter ounce of powdered bayberry, a half ounce of rose petals, quarter ounce of lavender, quarter ounce of powdered orris root, 
one ounce of grated lemon peel, quarter ounce of saltpeter, eighth ounce of frankincense oil, and a quarter ounce of tincture of benzoin. Same process as above. And that's incense. We use it so much in the craft, and we don't always stop to consider why and how else we can benefit from it. But it's such a great tool. You know, it's easy to use. Like I said, it's inexpensive, and I love that. And it's effective, and that's my kind of witchcraft. Cheap, easy, effective. It hits all my boxes. So thank you for being here with me today. Please come back next week so we can talk again. My name is Eli Rowe, and this has been the Middle-Aged Witch Podcast. May our troubles be less and our blessings be more, and nothing but happiness come through our door. information presented is the author's opinion and does not constitute any health or medical advice. The content of this podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any condition or disease. Please seek advice from your healthcare provider for your personal health concerns.